Good evening. I hope everyone had a good day today. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today. Uh, reading Genesis 21 in the NLT. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the day uh, with its trials, tribulations, with its problems, with its good and its bad. We thank you for all the wonderful things that have happened. Please bless us now as we study your word. Help us to read it. Help us to grow with it and send the Holy Spirit so that we might be enlightened, empowered to read the scriptures, to understand it, to give us morsels of wisdom, forgive us our sins, we fail you every day. And even if we are discouraged, help us, Lord, to perk up, to always cling to you, to cling to your word, cling to your Savior, which is our Savior, the Son, Jesus. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray, amen. That's one of those days, you know. If you ever had one of those days, nothing at work went right. You just kind of like, what happened there? So I th it was one of those days for me. So I think my mother, um, when I was younger, she held the Bible in front of me and said, you know, whenever I feel down, I read this. And I thought she was kind of crazy, but I think God allowed that to happen to me because it's a strategy. Whenever I feel down, I read the scripture. And I'm reminded that, um, my life is pretty good. Anyways, let's read. The birth of Isaac. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Well, it says a lot. God does keep his word. It takes Sometimes it takes a long time, but God does keep his word. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. So eight days. And it's, you know, it seems like a coincidence that, you know, we worshiped God on the eighth day, or as the church fathers called Sunday, they called it the eighth day or the first day of the new creation. And that's the eighth day. And Jesus was reborn. He was resurrected on the eighth day. So, eight days, um, circumcision, the physical circumcision, um, I don't think it's a coincidence. I guess you could say that resurrection is a spiritual circumcision. You've been cut away from the flesh, from death, from the power of the flesh, and you've been risen to new life. And that is the future for many of the dead in Christ. And they shall be, they shall rise and be given new bodies. And that will happen in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. And I personally believe that's going to happen at the end of the world. I, I believe that there is one second coming and that's it. I do believe we all have to go through to the second coming, that there's no secret rapture, but that's my personal hermeneutic. That's my personal weed, but it, it's just for me simpler. I get really confused with all these prophecy charts and all these dates and all these things and and they look really good and i can't really dispute them because i don't really know enough but for me simpler is better i just keep it simple the kis rule and sarah declared god has brought me laughter all who hear about this will laugh with me so she's laughing now but in a good wish she laughed at god abraham laughed at god and but now she's laughing with delight with joy because um, she sees that the promise has been fulfilled. Verse 7, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. 
That's the subheading that I have. Now, verse 8, when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So I don't know what they exactly did. So they're making fun of her son. They're, they're mocking him, they're mocking the baby. Uh, maybe they're laughing. Again, more laughter. Everybody's laughing, but this laughter apparently is not good. It doesn't strike her in a good way. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. You know, I guess this is kind of the moment when you wouldn't remind Sarah that this was her plan. This was her plan that she told her um, husband to go in and have um, to, to take the maid so she could have a son through the maid. That was her plan. So don't really want to say I told you so, but um, it really wasn't God's plan and it took matter into their own hands. But anyways, verse 10. So um, sorry, verse 11. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. Okay, so, you know, he's protecting his son. You know, Ishmael is his son. And maybe his son is not the chosen one, um, but that's still his son. And I have a connection with my son, and I'm not seeing my son, and it's very painful. It's very hurtful um, that this has been done. And, you know... I was in a Bible study tonight. I was very tired after the day's work, but I did get to the Bible study. I really wasn't that motivated, but you know, what else am I gonna do? And there's a verse in the Bible that they read today. Where is it? I thought that it was in Philippians 2. Oh yes, um, it's in actually Philippians 3. It says Philippians 3, Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And we were mentioning that his name is Christ. It's not, his name is not Jesus Christ. His name is Christ Jesus because Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah. And Jesus, Jesus is his name, but Christ is his title. And then it says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That was the same plan in Genesis 15:6, but now it comes through Christ. And I count the loss of my family as very painful, but it was part of the, part of the plan, part of the design. God knew that was going to happen. He allowed me to get married anyways. I became a Christian and my uh, my better half, my significant other said no and left and took the children. And it's painful. And that's part of God's plan. And you have to accept that. That's part of God's plan. Um, Jesus did not have a fair life. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts, we were studying Acts 24 tonight, uh, did not have a fair life. No, it was Acts 23, I'm sorry. Um, if you're a Christian, um, unfair things will happen to you. And you will wonder why. And it won't be your fault. But things will happen. 
Jesus says in Revelation to endure. He says you must endure. And I think that that will build up tenacity. You must endure. Verse 12, but God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. So God reaffirms the covenant, but but he but he assures Abraham that everything is going to be okay. Because he says, verse 13, but I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So the promise that God has made to Abraham extends to this boy. And, you know, he has been, um, you know, he didn't ask for the cards that he was dealt. And, you know, um, so Abraham, verse 14, so Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. So she's been exiled along with him. And again, not fair, uh, not nice. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem right it doesn't seem fair um you know because of who he is he's been it's been sort of used against him verse 15 when the water was gone she put the boy in the shade of a bush then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away i don't want to watch the boy die she said as she burst into tears no mother wants to see that mother is going to protect her son and i guess i understand what my significant other has done but um, you know, it, it's painful to me because I'm somebody's son too. You should watch how you treat someone because someone is somebody's son. Someone is somebody else's daughter. And if you don't ever want your kids to be mistreated, don't mistreat somebody else's children. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Verse 17, God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Verse 19, then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. Water, life, water, you know, H2O. You know, there's something there. We need water for physical sustenance. And we need to drink you know, if you don't drink water, uh, you will die quickly. You know, you may be able to fast without food for a period of time, but you must have water. And all the metabolic processes, well, some metabolic processes in the body happen with water. Verse 20, and God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. So Ishmael has been taken care of by God. And it does seem fair because you know, he was, I wouldn't say a pawn, but he was, um, you know, he was part of God's plan. He was part of Abraham's plan. Um, Sarah uh, sort of in a way planned for this to happen, even though she didn't. And you can't just sweep a problem away by sweeping it under the rug or exiling the problem. And he's not a problem. He's a human being. We're all human beings and we all have worth before God. Abraham's covenant and God loves everyone because God is the one that said that he would take care of the boy. God loves all. God wants all to return to him and trust him. That's what God has always wanted for every son and daughter of Abraham, of Adam and Eve. But of course, God allows, gives us grace and allows us to choose 
allows us to make a decision. Forced love that is forced is not love. It's not a relationship if you force somebody to love you. God never wanted that. Never from the from the garden. He never he never will want that and he never want to extract worship from a person if they do not wish to give it. Verse 22. Abraham's covenant with Abimelech. About this time Abimelech came with Phicol, his army commander to visit Abraham. God is obviously with you helping you in everything you do Abimelech says. I mean that's obvious that you know God is with Abraham and this wandering this nomadic life it seems kind of random it seems kind of haphazard and maybe this is um commentary in the Christian life it seems kind of haphazard your life you're wandering things are happening to you don't understand but God is with you just like Abraham God is with you Swear to me in God's name that you will never deceive me, my children, or any of my descendants. I have been loyal to you, so now swear that you will be loyal to me and to this country where you are living as a foreigner. Verse 24, Abraham replied, Yes, I swear to it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken by force from Abraham's servants. Verse 26, This is the first I've heard of it. Abimelech answered, I have no idea who is responsible. You have never complained about this before. So in verse 27, Abraham then gave them some of his sheep, goats, and cattle to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. So they've made a treaty, they made a peace, they've made a pact that everything will be good between them, a pact of honor. But Abraham also, in verse 28, took seven additional female lambs and set them off by himself themselves. Abimelech asked, why have you set these seven apart from the others? So seven additional female lambs, seven, the number seven. Interesting. Not the number eight, he picked the number seven. So seven is very significant in the Bible, but so is eight. So is nine. So is three. So is 40. So is 10. You know, every number, I mean, I'm trying to think of a number that's not, not significant. You know, 12 is significant. 13 is significant. 14 you know, 42. So God's always has a number. Even five, I thought, was the number of obedience. I don't know why, number five. But I'm not, not exactly sure. Is four anything? Can't remember. Why have you set these seven apart from the others? Verse 30, Abraham replied, Please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well of the oath because that's where they had sworn the oath. God swore an oath to Abraham that he would have children. God, God has even given us his son. God made a promise to the human race that he would give us salvation. Genesis 3.15, the, um, um, the eschaton, because God promised Adam and Eve, and they were the forerunners of the human race, that he would send somebody who would crush the head of the serpent. And he's, that certainly was manifest in Christ our Lord. Verse 32, after making their covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech left with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned home to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a Tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he worshiped the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in Philistine country for a long time. So he's living in the country of the Philistines, and the Philistines have been our traditional enemies of Israel, but yet here's the father of, of the Israelites living in their country. 
So it's kind of ironic. In a way, he, uh, the, the nation of Israel who became enemies of the Philistines um, is, is sort of birthed inside strange alien enemy territory. I guess as Christians, we're living in enemy territory. We're living in the world of the Philistines. We're living in a world that seems to be against us, uh, seems to be against Jesus. And this is where Jesus has decided, this is the crucible of your growth, the crucible of your character development, where God chisels your character to be like his forever, is inside enemy territory, behind enemy lines. It seems ironic, and yet it seems so like God. You know, God's plan doesn't always seem obvious, but when you think about it, and when your life goes and you're thinking, you're getting on an age, you're maturing, it starts to make sense. God is really, really smart, and he knows what he's doing, even if we don't. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. I hope you are well, and I hope that you get a good rest. Take care.